are listening to Rogue Table Talks. Here's Mike. And we're back. We're off. Uh, this is Mike. That's Chad. All right. Uh, here we are. Rogue Table Talk, number 108. And we got something for you. Give them that title. Seeds and Demons. What do oh, you think? That's a good one. <laughs> if that was a TV show like on HBO yeah. or Netflix, or whatever, I'd watch it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if nothing else, just, you know, kind of, what is that about? Yeah. yeah right? Yeah, seeds and uh, Demons. Seeds and Demons. Right, right. Well, um, hmm. Let's explain. Let's delve. Mm-hmm. Let's delve into so. the, the the realm of the seeds and the demons. So, a uh, couple of passages in Mark, right near each other. In fact, they might be right next to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're two looks at, in a way, the kingdom. Um, and so, here's the first look. It's two little mini. I don't know. Are, they, are these parables? They're sort of like parables. Yeah, I those suppose. are parables. Yeah, tiny little parables. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a couple of couple of verses long, a couple of few verses long each. First one, Mark four twenty six, uh, and Jesus says, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed in the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So that's the kingdom. It's one of uh, the kingdom of God is like this thing. Mm-hmm. So, and then Andy said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? So here's another, here's another one. Right, right after, following right after. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is grown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. So that's sort of one one answer to the question the kingdom of God is like. And obviously there's, he has a lot of these. And so no one is meant to be comprehensive and say this is everything about it. But here's one look at it. Here's another look at it. So here's two sort of overlapping, very similar looks. And so what can we glean? You know, we're, we're getting to loving our neighbor. Um, but uh, but you could apply this to any aspect of the kingdom, anything about the kingdom. This is, you know, in some sense, the kingdom of God is like this. And so you have the, these two sort of overlapping looks. So... What is he saying? I mean, how, uh, what can we glean about the kingdom from these? Yeah. I, I love parables. I love Jesus teaching. It's very, very fascinating. Uh, the, to, to me, to use both of these to help get more understanding, to compare and contrast, the similarities are how are we comparing is it so it's simile uh figurative language the kingdom of god is like this it's as if this and so uh how do you interpret figurative language well something represents something so but what's consistent in both of these is the kingdom is 
like someone scattering seed or like someone or like a grain of mustard seed. Both of these things grow go into the ground. They're both very small. And then I think one of the mysteries here is the growth of the seed. The seed grows, and in the first parable, uh, the, the, the man, the farmer, assuming, who scattered seed, he doesn't know how. How did this grow? I, I slept, uh, I rise night and day, uh, and I put a seed in the ground, and then all of a sudden there is a blade, an ear, and a full grain. Uh, wheat, corn, whatever he's referring to. Uh, I don't know how this happened, but it did. <laughs> it's kind of like, it, even if you cut your grass and you fertilize it and water it, and you were to sit out every day all day and just observe it, it would grow, but you wouldn't see it grow. Um, I, I love to create kind of tensions. It would be It would be perceptible, but it would be imperceptible. You would see it grow, but you wouldn't see it grow at the same time. Right. And so I think there's something to do with with something small here, something uh, seemingly insignificant. I think there's also something to do with death. The seed has to die. That's not in this parable, but it's implied. It's in other mm -hmm. parables. Mm -hmm. And then there's growth from the death. And then uh, it kind of takes over. It's it's It's... I can't find the right word, but it, it, it spreads and moves and produces it, the fruit. And then it's a big, it's, it's a big uh, crop, so to speak. Yeah, it's, it's a, when you think about it, it's a very ordinary, he's describing something very ordinary uh, in a sense, very everyday, but also in a sense, very mysterious, like you said. You know, he doesn't know how. The farmer doesn't know how it grows. Obviously, he plants the seed knowing it's going to grow. It's not like this is a random act. He, he plants the seed knowing he wants to grow and have a harvest at some point. But a day, day goes by, night goes by, time goes by, and nothing seems to be happening at first, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't know if you ever planted a seed or grown flowers from seeds. Mm -hmm. most, most of the time we buy them and plant them every once in a while. And, you know, you plant a seed, you water it, you come back the next day, you can't see anything that's right. happening, of course. Right. Uh, and maybe a week goes by or a number of days goes by before you can even see anything. Uh, and so it's this very slow, imperceptible change that is, again, happening. And in a sense, you can see it happen, but only by kind of going away and then coming back and measuring progress. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. uh, even one day to the next, I mean, it's like your hair growing. Even one day to the next, you can't see your hair grow, but at some point you need a haircut. Right. And of course, none of that surprises you. And, you know, I love how it's, but he, and he doesn't, we don't know how. I mean, yeah, right. it's a very ordinary process, but we don't know how it works. Right. Uh, it's you know it's a very ordinary process, but you take this this little thing which seems to be completely inanimate, and it might as well you know to our senses be just a pebble. And you put it in the ground and water it, and it it comes alive. I mean, is it alive when it's in the sea? It doesn't seem like it's alive, and then it becomes alive, uh, and then at some point that thing produces a crop. Yeah, uh, it is. I mean, you. you it's so ordinary we don't think about it but then when you think about it you go that's pretty amazing right it's pretty amazing 
And, yeah. and, and, and not to go off on a tangent here, but it is pretty amazing. And we just don't see this because most of us aren't farmers. And we go to a grocery store to buy our food. Right. But the, uh, the abundance of the earth that right. produces all sorts of grain and food to eat and vegetables and fruit, is, it, it comes from this concept, mm-hmm. this seed. And I, and I love the other part of this, that there's something, I think, deeply metaphorical to say to us in a spiritual transformation sort of way is it, it has to go into the ground. It has to get buried. Like there has to be a process of getting hidden or death or something, you know. It's not this big, boastful, showy, bravado thing. It goes into the ground, and then you don't know... We don't know if it's going to grow. You don't know what's going to happen. But there's trust there. You put it mm-hmm. in the ground and you trust. And that What does he say? Uh, he, he doesn't know how the earth produces by itself, which is just interesting. Like the whole creation is wired for this thing, and we're a part of this creation. Yeah, right. And so if we... And then the same thing with the mustard seed, obviously. It's... You know, the contrast is it's the smallest seed. It's not only the seed, it's the smallest seed, and it produces this plant, which is among all the garden plants. And, you know, I'm not sure exactly to what he's referring there, like what would be considered a garden plant. But the mustard seed grows and it becomes this mustard bush and big enough for the, for the birds to come nest in it. Um, and, again, it's this sense of, <clears throat> in some, if you, you know, over time, what's supposed to happen is fruitfulness you know maturity growth Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it seems like nothing's happening at first and from one day to the next it seems like nothing's happening at all and no change is happening and Jesus said that's one look at what the kingdom is like that you know uh, whether so let's whether it's our own growth let's let's just talk about it from that standpoint your own spiritual maturation Mm -hmm. it's not like and of course, there's a lot of processes like this. It's not like from one day to the next, or even from one week to the next, you have some sort of measurable amount of spiritual maturity or fruitfulness that you can see. Yeah, I've read my Bible every day for a week, and I've prayed twice a day, and I now have a 67 on the, <laughs> the spiritual maturity scale, and I was 64. You know, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. like it doesn't work that way. There's a sense in which... <clears throat> you have to trust that this is what's going to happen, and you have to, and this, you know, act, you don't know how it's happening, but is this everyday sort of participation in the process? And then it, you know, you're not causing, in a sense, the growth. You're sort of just cultivating it, and you can't see it from day to day. It seems imperceptible, but at some point, all of a sudden, there's fruitfulness. There's a crop. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's stuff that eventually, and the ear grows. So you could there's more seeds, and you could plant now a hundred, you know, plants in the future from that one that one you know, p- you know part of grain. So it's it's this sense of um, uh, slow, imperceptible. There's a mystery. There's some level of faith in the participation in the process. There's some expected outcome, and we don't know how it happens. Mm-hmm. And that's how 
that's how the, that's one look at the kingdom of God is is like this. Well, I think you know, I, I, and we're both fans of spiritual disciplines. We think they're very important, and I think you don't reach. I think it's difficult to reach uh, who you're supposed to be in Christ without a f- some forms of spiritual disciplines. But at the same time, like you said, the danger with what we do with spiritual disciplines is I'm equating spiritual growth and transformation with accomplishing my discipline. So I, I don't know. It's just so automatic to me for, to pick up a book and to read and just to even subconsciously feel like I have accomplished spiritual growth. Like, this is spiritual growth to me. Uh, I read my Bible and I prayed. That's spiritual growth. Those are not bad things, but they don't equate to spiritual growth. Case in point, the Pharisees knew the scriptures better than any of us. And mm-hmm. Jesus didn't call them spiritually mature. They were never labeled right. that. Right. Um, and I think, you know, for the farmer, just to go back to the parable, you know, he doesn't just say, well, I, you know, I had putting the seed in the ground. That's the job. That's it. It's over. It doesn't matter if anything happens. Uh, like... I've done it. This is this is this is all I expect. Mm-hmm. No, he's hoping for growth and change and true transformation. This death resurrection paradigm, all the all the in, all the death in the soil uh, around the seed uh, and decomposition of dying things feed the life of this. And so, you know, it's not just I've done my job. It's how is this helping me die more to self, die more to ego, fall and you know fall into the ground um humility brokenness those types of things those are the those are the ingredients in the soil to me that mm-hmm. really began to to grow uh spiritual maturity yeah and it looked at that way uh you know spiritual habits and rhythms and practices might be you know com- comparable to fertilizing the soil or something you know your uh improving the conditions for growth you're still not making growth happen that's because we're not able to do that um we know not how um and and god's producing some sort of you know fruit uh and that's his plan and uh so there's this slow imperceptible and i think one of the things that we have trouble with is we like to see progress we like to feel like we're having progress the question is 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 this any of this worth it is this any if any, does any of this matter? And, you know, if you're talking about loving your neighbor, your physical neighbor or whatever, it's like, yeah, I don't see anything happening. I don't see them, you know, becoming followers of Christ. I don't see anything, you know, I don't see any dramatic movement. Right. So does this matter? Uh, and all the kingdom work, there's a sense of just remaining faithful and look forward in faith that at the right time, God will bring the fruit. And, you know, to borrow from another uh, similar metaphor that Paul uses, we may not be the one who harvests the fruit, or mm-hmm. we may be the one who harvests, but we didn't cultivate, and so on. And so there's a sense of just keeping going, keep consistent in faith, acting in faith. Uh, and it does matter. that Like, we don't know how it's going to matter. You know, it does matter that God's word doesn't go forth void, as it says in Isaiah. That he's going to bring fruit. It's, it's going to matter. We may not know how it matters. Mm-hmm. or when it's going to matter, or any of that stuff. But there's, that's, you know, Jesus is telling us something when he says the kingdom of God is like this. Like, right? Mm-hmm. There's this sense of we have to participate in the process in faith, you know, that we have to die, we have to uh, 
walk in humility, independence, and we don't control the process. But in that participation, God's going to do something at some point. And we just don't know when or how. Um, and then... Well, and sorry, ahead. since we're here, I mean, how important is patience when it comes to your own transformation and when it comes to others' transformation? How important? Because you don't... I mean, you, I've done this, you've done this, maybe you plant something and you're anxious for it to grow and you keep going out there and then you get worried, oh, it's not going to happen. And maybe you even dig up the soil a little bit and check on mm -hmm. it and you mm -hmm. start to ruin the process by, by being impatient and you get frustrated with, I need to see immediate growth or I'm supposed to be more loving or I'm supposed to be more this. And I just think patience is such a helpful um, tool and uh, attitude towards ourselves and others when we're talking about being changed into Christ likeness. I mean, that's a big deal, yeah. and that takes a long time. And for me to just to, to to lie to myself and say, well, you know, I've, I'm I'm there, or I'm very loving, or I'm very, you know, whatever it might be, just seems a bit unhelpful. But to say, you know, to be gentle with myself and others and say, you know, I'm I'm not there yet, but uh, I'm moving forward. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes it's one step forward, two steps back. Sometimes I'm right. stuck in a stuck in a holding pattern for weeks or something, but months. Yeah. Uh, but, but we're overall we're moving forward. Yeah, and there's that sense that, you know, patience and faith are twine intertwined together that, you know, it's hard it's hard to have faith if you're not patient because patience involves some sort of uh, uh, waiting independence on something that, that God's gonna do. And so there's that and there's that so this is whole look at the kingdom, the whole look at God's work in our life, the whole look at God's work through us. There's this, we don't see it happening. We don't know how it's happening. Um, there's this faithfulness that produces this fruit. Uh, and then I think the very next, you know, passage, basically, at the, you go from the end of Mark four to the beginning of Mark five, and there's a whole nother look at the kingdom. Uh, and this here, well, let me just, here's that, here's the look. Uh, Mark 5, starting in verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had been bound with shackles and chains. But he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there in the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Hmm. Okay, so, just <laughs> so this is a different view. Yeah, it's different than so the seeds. It's a little different. You got your seeds and you got your demons. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a little different view. I mean, all of this happens in 
uh, you know, it, there's a picture of a situation and then this encounter that happens in, I don't know, a minute, less. Uh, you know, there's this man uh, who obviously is possessed, uh, demon possessed by many, it says, yeah, he says. Um, and there's this power encounter and this sort of strange power encounter. And, and there's another whole look at the kingdom. And so, you know, what is this kingdom, this look at the kingdom telling us about the kingdom? This one's a little <laughs> harder. This one is... Uh, <laughs> yeah, this one, it's, it's not... Well, it does feel that it's communicating something similar, but it feels like it's the opposite end of the spectrum where the kingdom of God is invisible and organic and imperceptible. And now the kingdom of God is powerful and authoritative and it's the kingdom of light. And there is an opposition to this and the kingdom of God will uh, overcome the kingdom of darkness. So this, this one is very dramatic in the sense that the other one is very non, non-dramatic. It's not exciting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Watching the grass grow is not exciting. Seeing, legions of demons get cast out of a guy who's naked and out of his mind and then pigs run off a cliff that's exciting <laughs> that's a little that's a little different it's a little bit different yeah it's so, almost like it's almost like eating the ear of corn that took months and months to grow at some point there's a dramatic encounter right that yeah, yeah. right somehow they yeah. go together right i think they do go together um because i think the kingdom one way to say it is in order for these seeds to grow, in order for these seeds to have the proper, uh, what do you call it? All ingredients is my word, but just sun and um, soil mm-hmm. and rain. You have to clear out any type of weeds. You have to clear out any type of, um, you know, uh, rodents or anything that'll mm-hmm. come in and, and kill. So the Jesus coming to earth is a significant pushback against the kingdom of darkness I would argue so that these seeds have the opportunity to grow. Something happened when Jesus came it it wasn't just the earth is the same, people are the same Jesus came and left and everything's the same I don't don't think, I think that's uh, I don't think the Bible presents that picture I think the Bible presents the picture of this the, the overthrowing of something in a very powerful way so that the gospel could go forward uh, I think John says it. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Well, did he destroy the works of the devil or did he not? Mm-hmm. I think in some way he did. Uh, mm-hmm. And demons have been cast out and darkness has been pushed back and there is a movement to this kingdom. Yeah. So I, I, mean, I think you know part of this is this, oh, this already but not yet dynamic of, you know, uh, of the kingdom that, you know, there's, it's already been you know satan's already been defeated but he's not yet been fully defeated we've already been changed but we've not yet fully been changed um and there's a tension uh there that that is probably difficult for us to live in i do think you know when it comes to kingdom work when it comes to god's work in us you know there's day by day imperceptible change as we're faithful and yet not every day is imperceptible. There will be days. Harvest day is a unique day, let's say, um, it, you know, to use the first one, that, that we should not be surprised 
that the process is ongoing and long and we don't see progress every day. At the same time, we should not be surprised that there are days where there's dramatic kingdom movement. And I think we can be, somehow we can be surprised by both. Like somehow we want steady progress without any dramatic days. And what Jesus is saying is we get neither. You know, we get neither. We get days where it seems like nothing's happening. And then we get days where it seems like everything, everything happens. And, uh, you know, I, I, I thought about like, so when it comes to my name, like say my neighbors or something, there's a sense in which, you know, there's some slow build of some sort of relationship that seems like nothing. And it seems, doesn't seem significant at all. And there's a little this and a little that. And then one day, you know, your neighbor says, um, you know, can you pray for me? I'm sick or my husband hits me or something. There's some, oh, bang, like like it's happening. There's some sort of kingdom encounter that all of the imperceptible days should be preparing me for or whatever. And I shouldn't be surprised. I shouldn't be surprised by either. And we, I think we tend to be surprised by both, that we want steady progress that we can see and we want no dramatic upsets and we get imperceptible progress that we can't see intermixed with dramatic <laughs> encounters, right? Yeah, I feel like that's that's genius. That's good. And I don't know if you know, these passages are right next to each other. And they're definitely, obviously, two different views of the kingdom. But somehow, let's not get lulled into the sleep that when it looks like nothing's happening, something is happening. We just don't exactly what and when. And there is a harvest. There is a fruit. There is a something that's coming where it will matter. It'll matter. You know, when you go to harvest the corn, it's going to matter how much sun it got and what the soil was like and how much... Right, you just can't see it. You can't see it until you pull the husk back. You but will, it matters. You, the, yeah, yes, the quality of the fruit will be shown yeah. at the harvest. Yeah, and so you know, I, and so that means at some point when the dramatic encounter comes, what you know, what what is the quality of my fruit, and then how do I improve it for the next dramatic encounter? And I think, you know, what we often do is we run or we we see the dramatic encounter coming and we say oh i got to i got to take this call or mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. we just somehow try to extract ourselves yeah. when no that's the whole reason that's the whole reason there's been imperceptible progress for you know all this time or you know the whole reason you've prayed every day for something is at some point there might be something that's going to happen or somebody else is praying every day and you're the you know, you're the somebody who's going to happen. Who knows? Hmm. Um, but yeah, there's this sense of faith, but also impatience, but also expectancy that uh, at some point the dramatic encounter shouldn't shouldn't surprise me, and I'm not going to be. I'm not going to get an email. You know, it's not going to get. A, there's no calendar invite coming. You know, dramatic encounter with neighbor <laughs> next Wednesday. <laughs> Right. Well, it's like you hear, you watch these these um, professional sports, 
And one of the things you hear over and over again, especially if it's a rookie or if there's just a big, uh, the pressure's on this moment, you always hear like, well, they, they, they were big enough for that moment. They, you know, they didn't shrink back from that time, that moment. And I feel like the both of these serve each other. The imperceptible growth is meant to bring us to a place where we we don't miss the moment. We don't miss the dramatic moment. We 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 step up to whatever that is and meet it head on and meet it with grace and courage. And I have this Thomas Merton quote behind me. I really love it. It says, you don't need to know precisely what is happening or exactly where it's all going. What you need is to recognize the possibilities and challenges offered by the present moment and to embrace them with courage, faith, and hope. Mm. Yeah, that's that's sort of an I that's sort mm-hmm. of a look at what we're talking about here. Yeah. Where like you don't need to know what the fruit exactly is gonna look like or what you know, you don't need to know when the harvest day is a month ahead of time. What you need to do is just keep going and in faith and ex- expectation and hope that this will matter. This will at some point matter and maybe even be looking for the dramatic yeah, day. be ready for it. Be, be ready. Be watching, watching the the signs and the movements around you, and the neighbors coming by, or stopping to talk more, or you know, you're watching how they haven't been in, uh, involved in much going on lately, and you're reaching out. Hey, you guys, okay? Just thinking about you. You know, you're you're paying attention to their social media. Congratulations on your eighth grade or graduating mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're. It's these small seeds of planting that leads to this these dramatic encounters and I think trusting both of those but being prepared for both of those is important mm-hmm yeah well it's just uh, you know it's it's something that I'm sort of wrestling with or whatever and I don't know that I have an, a neat bow to put on it but other than what we've already said that faithfulness matters the day-to-day imperceptible movement matters and it's going to matter in ways we can't easily predict. Mm-hmm. But we shouldn't be surprised that the day we see how it matters comes because we live in faith that that is going to be the case. Um, so let's leave it there. Let's leave it at that point of, you know, seeds and demons, uh, the everyday uh, imperceptible movement, and also the dramatic uh uh, encounters of the kingdom, you know, are both await us, and we're, you know, today could be the day for either uh, or both, uh, and you know, to live in that expectation is part of what it means to live in the kingdom. Uh, so with that, uh, we'll leave it there. Grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks. Be sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen, and on our YouTube channel. Just search Rogue Table Talks. Talks.